Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 47. book of Ezekiel chapter 47 it is I say this every time but I say it because I mean it not just as a cliche it is such a privilege and an honor to be in the house of the Lord there are a lot of things vying for our attention uh, t- 20 years ago for something to get your attention it had to make an extreme effort uh, it had to come by way of postal mail had to come by way of a salesman, cold calling on your house. Uh, Today's society and the culture in which we live, anything can grab our attention in an instant. Whether it be a cell phone, a text message, a smartphone with email, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, our attention spans, I believe, are shorter today than they ever have been because our attentions are so constantly engaged we don't know how to disconnect but it's important for us to come to the house of God and try to disconnect from all of that and just for a few moments have some dedicated energy to just hear what the Lord has to say to us and uh, you know it's, it's sad to say but in some circles sitting in a church is a lost art I'm glad to have a church Amen. I'm glad to have a church. I'm glad to have a pastor that cares enough about me to pray for me every day, Brother Daniel. And to not only pray for me every day, but to guide me and lead me through the Word of God every service. Amen. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. I hope you will take it upon yourselves to shower he and his family with some love uh, that we, we owe them all the time. But we want to pause for a few moments at this occasion just to tell him, Hey, Pastor, I love you. I'm behind you. Uh, For all the sacrifices that he makes for us. Seen and unseen. Because everything you see has a sacrifice you don't see. So there's always something that goes into what you do see. Ezekiel 47 and 1, I won't keep you standing any longer. The Bible says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under, from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters, everybody say waters, on the right side. And when the man that had the lion in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. He brought me through the waters, and waters were to the ankles. Again measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through, the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, 
Everybody say this with me. Waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight with the help of the Lord on this thought. The point of saturation. The point of saturation. Would you lift your hands one more time and ask the Lord to help us tonight by His Word. Father, we love you. Jesus, we need you tonight. God, we need your attention. God, get our attention by your word this evening. That we'll leave better than we came, stronger than we came, more purposed than we came. Let your word speak to us, God. Your word is already anointed. I need your help tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Shake somebody's hand as you're seated tonight. Tell them whatever you want to, as long as it's good. The point of saturation. So I read to you this evening, it talked about a man who took measurement from a starting point out 1,000 cubits. And at each interval of change in water depth, he measured out another thousand cubits. The standard biblical unit for cubic is believed to be measured as the width of six palms using only your four fingers side by side to be equal nearly to 18 inches in width. At that calculation, a thousand cubics of measurement referenced in Ezekiel 47 would be somewhere around 1,500 feet. So he had a starting point, and then he went out 1,500 feet at every interval, and the depth of the water changed. As we search for things of God early in the verses of Ezekiel 47, it indicates a pattern for our walk with God. Because you see, you don't just wake up one day and decide, I think I'm going to preach. Now granted, there's probably been some people that did that. But to be truly called of God and to truly follow the pattern of God, you don't just wake up and just decide one day, hmm, I think I'll go to Africa and be a missionary. Sounds pretty cool. I like to travel. It typically doesn't work that way. There, there's a starting point. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of you that are in this house tonight, I can remember your starting point. Long years ago, back rows, reverence, but not engaged, respectful, but not participating, just there, but was there every service. Uh, I could call some of you by name, but I'll choose not to, but was there every service, come in, take the baseball cap off, lay it on the back of the pew, after the, the, the final dismissal prayer was given. After the amen was issued, the baseball cap went back on. Would shake hands, would fellowship, would leave, would come back to the next service and do the same. Over and over and over. Faithfully and consistently attending church. I want to say early on, and I'll probably repeat myself, but I'm going to be talking about several stages of life and stages in our walk with God tonight. Uh, there should... 
should always be a group of people that are in our church that are just attending. So if there's any naysayers here this evening that, that, that feel the, the call to judgment to, to look at people and say, well, they're, they're not this or they're not that. We always want a group of people here that's just here. We just want that group of people to constantly change. So as we search for the things of God in life, we find a pattern that's established here as each developmental stage of the water deepens. The, the initial pattern is in our life and our walk with God is that we have an introduction of salvation by grace. And you can liken that this evening to water that was ankle deep. And then as we move on and we find more to God, we find some things that are very plain and very easy to understand. That could be water that's up to the knees. We're going to break this down a little bit. Some things become more difficult to understand in our walk with God, and as a result, they require a lot more effort. And that could simply be waters that's up to the waist. Some things often feel like they are beyond our reach, but God still desires for us to give our best effort. Have you ever had, and you don't have to say amen tonight, I just want, you, want to provoke your thinking, but have you ever had an occasion where you felt like God was speaking something to your life that was well beyond you? Something that was greater than you, something that you do not think in any way possible you could handle, that you could do. Ladies and gentlemen, those are waters to swim in. Those are occasions in which I can't see myself doing it, but if God can see it, I'm going to walk by faith, and I'm going to believe that God knows what He's doing. In verse number 3, the Bible tells us that he walked east with a measuring tape, and he measured off 1,500 feet, 1,000 cubits. And the Bible says, Ezekiel said, leading me through waters that were ankle deep. And it's, it's wisdom to, be, to understand tonight that we begin with things that are easy to understand. If you're new to church, if you're new in your relationship with God tonight, there is much development to be done. There, there's a lot of growing stages that you have yet to go through. But you don't need to worry about that right now. Uh, the developmental stages of a baby are often similar to those of the child of God. You have a starting position. If, if, you're, if you're new, and, and, and new is a relative term, and it can be defined differently by every person, but if you are new in your walk with God, uh, don't, don't worry about interpreting dreams. Don't, don't worry about the gifts of the Spirit. Don't worry about the book of Revelations. <laughs> I, I often tell people who ask me questions, about the book of Revelations, I'll try to answer their question, but there's a whole lot we don't know. It is a revealing of certain events. And, and I tell them, you know what? This is nothing worth losing your salvation over. Ask the Lord when you get there. Read it and, and think about it, and if you want to, believe one thing, but, but don't get hung up on it. D don't worry about it, because there's just some things that we just need to keep simple. Listen to the preaching and the teaching intently. That's good for everybody. Whether you're new or old. But especially if you're new. Because the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, that is your mealtime. Spiritually speaking. That's when you're getting fed. That's when you're getting from God what you need to make it another day. 
And you need to be learning intently the ideas behind the Bible plan for man in repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost, godly, righteous New Testament living. If you do not build a foundation of living in your life, then your living will not have a foundation. If you don't have a foundation, every wind that blows and every wind that changes direction will constantly confuse you, will constantly frustrate you because you don't have something to stand on. You've got to have a foundation to stand on. And it's got to be more than Acts 2.38. Amen. I know that sounds like we're cussing in an apostolic church when you say that, but you've got to build something in your life that is more than you You just tell us, well, what do you believe? I believe Acts 2.38. Well, I know a lot of people that believe Acts 2.38, but they don't have any standard of living. And they don't know the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. We need to have a foundation upon which we stand and we need to fully understand that foundation. Amen. If you don't have a foundation properly built, the building project stops early. So, so if, if you're new this evening, and, and I could define new several ways, but if you're here less than two years, it's important for you. It is important for you to understand the Word of God. But, but focus in on those things that you need to be focusing on. Salvation. Godly living. Uh, let's worry about the deep things of God later. Amen. We, we need to set our goals where they need to be. And we need to prioritize our living and say, you need to be focusing on this. When I first started preaching, my father's first and only instructions to me were, stay in the New Testament. He had a reason for it. The Old Testament's complicated. The New Testament is pretty simple. He said, until you get used to it, until you get comfortable with it, and you get comfortable with feeling like you've heard from God, I want you to stay away from the Old Testament. So where do you think I pulled my messages from? New Testament. Amen. Because there was good reason for what the instructions were. Keep it simple. Know what you know. You need to understand the basics clearly and completely. I believe it so much to believe that tonight that the foundation you need is learning the Word of God. You need to daily remind yourself of scriptures pertaining to repentance, Holy Ghost filling, baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Amen. We need to be learning how to pray. I understand this is basics tonight, but the basics should not bore us. We need to learn how to pray. I am constantly learning, Pastor, how to pray. I'm not sure we'll ever reach a point where that we can say we've got it. But you need to learn how to spend some time, whether it's five minutes or 50, you need to spend some time with God in prayer. We need to learn how to avoid sin. David said, set no evil before thine eyes. There is, a, there is a, an art or, or a learning, an education in how to avoid sin. How do I avoid sin? I don't go the same places I used to go. I don't hang around the same people I used to hang around. 
There was a lifestyle separation and I didn't even have to leave them. But whenever I chose not to do certain things, they chose to separate themselves from me. And if I go following after them and forsaking God, I'm not building a foundation of God. I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn what the word of God says and how to avoid sin in my life. If we are not to tempt God, then we are not to set sin in front of us and say, Oh, help me, Lord. Oh, help me, Lord. There are choices that we have to make. It's learning those things in your lifestyle that need to be changed. Because you see, when you first come to God, I don't know a person in this building tonight, when you first repented, baptized, Holy Ghost, that your lifestyle just immediately was everything it needed to be. The New Testament from Romans to Jude is about lifestyle. It's about teaching us how we live with this Holy Ghost He's given us. And how it is our teacher and our educator. And how it is meant to lead, guide, and direct us. God never saved anyone to keep them in their current condition. Amen. Don't, don't, Don't confuse what you feel with what you need to know. The feeling is good, but God didn't save you just to feel good and not change. God saved us to pull us out of sin, to make us better than we were, to make us a bride that is fit for His coming. Not to leave me in the filth that He left me in and just make me feel good. It's not a temporary bath. So water that is ankle deep, that's safe water. It's where newborn babes need to be. That's safe water. The speed of the current doesn't even matter much when you're in ankle-deep water. It's a very safe place to be. And I want you to feel safe tonight. I'm not being critical toward anybody. If you're new, you need to be in ankle-deep water. You need to be in a safety zone where God is helping you and where you're getting acclimated to the presence of God. The water can be swift. The waters of life can be fast. But you can still stand firm because it's shallow water. Amen. As a matter of fact, being in shallow water, though, can actually be dangerous after prolonged exposure. The danger of being in shallow water is there's no commitment. It's so safe, you can stand on your own feet as long as you need to. And you can keep standing. Shallow waters, spiritually speaking, are not intended for the mature Christian. Shallow waters are intended for those who need the safety zone. Shallow waters are intended for those that that are still learning Bible verses. if If you're here tonight and this is new to you, the best way for you to learn is to take you a Bible study. And get you a Bible study and let somebody teach you the Word of God outside of a pulpit. Sit down at a coffee table somewhere with some carrot cake and some coffee and start talking about the Word of God and how good it is for your life. And that way, whenever you're done in six months' time, you'll be prepped and ready to be teaching somebody else the same Word of God for somebody else's life. It's safe water for those who need it. For those who are beyond ankle-deep water, it's a dangerous zone. Because it's a place where that you, you are at risk of committing rebellion and disobedience by standing too long. You're standing in the wrong spot. 
Shallow waters are not intended for you. They're intended for newborn babes. Verse number 4, he continues another measurement of 1,500 feet. And the Bible says that he took me through water that was knee-deep. Waters that are knee-deep still hold some safety and security to them. People who do not know how to swim can still survive waters that only come up to the knees. Knee-deep waters still allow you to have the majority of control over your situation. But they do require more than ankle-deep waters. Knee-deep waters have more power flowing through them. The weight of the water is greater, so it takes more to stand than just ankle-deep waters. If the current is fast enough, it can knock you off your feet. So you've got to pay attention. You must be alert to your surroundings. You must be attentive when you're standing in knee-deep water because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. About the time you think you're good on your own two feet, if you're in knee-deep waters, look out, you're going to fall and you're going to be below the water level before you're ready. When you're in knee-deep waters, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. You must make conscious de decisions and choices that are positive for Christian behavior. Sorry has a deeper meaning now because there's a greater accountability for your actions. You see, when you're in ankle-deep water, you can mess up and, like the little child and you can say, Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. And he'll say, Okay, son, just don't do it anymore because you're learning. But when you get to knee-deep waters, there's some lessons you are supposed to have already learned. So some things just don't disappear easily by saying, Sorry. Yes, he's a forgiving God, but there's more accountability. There should be more understanding toward our actions and what we're doing because by knee-deep waters, you should understand that you are the, not the only one there. When you're in knee-deep waters, you should understand now that there's somebody in ankle-deep waters that's observing you. When you're in knee-deep waters and you're standing and you're, you're depending on both your strength and the strength of your provider, you should know that over in the uh, 1,500 feet behind you, there's a group of people in ankle-deep waters that's watching to see your behavior. And how did you go through that trial? How did you survive that circumstance? And how did you worship when you were going through that valley experience? And they're watching you by observation to know if they can do it, so can I. Because there's going to be a day I'm going to progress to that part of the pool. And I want to have some faith and some confidence to know that I can make it. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you're living beyond obligation now. Now you're living on purpose. You're not ready for ministry yet. You're not even ready to teach a Sunday school class. But you're starting to feel freer now in your worship. The, the, the sins and the hauntings of the past are starting to let go. You don't feel as bound to your past now as you did when you were in ankle deep water. Why? Because you have an understanding of where God has brought you from. And you know now exactly what that means. You understand now that every choice you make matters. And when you make the right ones, God's paying attention. And when you make the wrong ones, God's still paying attention. Everything you do matters. Well, Brother Mason, that's a lot of pressure. Well, life has its pressures. And there are certain things that they, they tell us in the natural world, pardon the, the bluntness, but they tell us it's just a matter of growing up. 
Well, in the spiritual sense, there are certain things that we go through that we are expected by God to grow through. Imagine how funny it would be tonight if when Trevor was 21 years old, well, he doesn't use a pacifier now, but just imagine if, if he was, there's some babies around here using pacifiers, if they were 21 years old and still using a pacifier. Imagine they were your 13-year-old sitting at the end of the table and you were spoon-feeding them baby food. That's not natural. We, we don't expect to feed babies who are 13 pureed carrots and beans. We expect them to pick up a burger and some fries on their own and feed themselves. In a spiritual application tonight, the expectation from God is no different. As we mature in God, we are expected to grow. God doesn't expect you a decade later to be exactly where you are right now. Now, if you are, all hope is not lost, and I'm not being critical tonight. But if you are, you need to understand that you got to ankle deep water and you just stopped. It wasn't God's fault. God didn't tell you to stop. The man with the line in his hand kept walking. There's other depths and heights in God to reach. Perhaps that's where you should be. Knee deep water. It's more expected of you now. See, that's, that's the difficulty of growing up. There, there's more expected of you now. Today costs you more than yesterday. You have to stand on your own. Yes, there's help for you. But if you don't do things for yourself, no measure of help is ever going to be of much value to you. Because now you're reaching a maturity level where God's, God's not going to direct everything for you. The decisions and the choices are yours. Verse 4 continues that another 1,500 feet were measured off, and he says, he, he led me through water that was waist deep. Waist deep waters. Man, that's serious business. Waist deep water. You don't get in waist deep waters by accident. You, you, you don't. Not, not by your own choice, anyway. You, you don't get in waist deep water by accident. This is the deepest part of the pool that people who do not know how to swim will comfortably go. If you don't know how to swim, going into waters that are waist deep holds some risk. To survive waist deep water, you must be prepared. You can't depend on your own skill alone to survive now. You've got to have somebody else's help. The reason why some people don't survive waist deep water is because they jump in. Because they're basing their salvation on feeling. And they jump in too soon and they're not ready for waist deep. They're ready for ankle deep, or maybe they're ready for knee deep. They're not ready for waist deep. They jump in too quick. and they, they jump in based on a shout, not the knowledge of the Word of God. And because of that, they get frustrated and they get confused because certain things aren't working out the way they should go. So let me caution you tonight, as glorious as it is to even get in waters to swim in, let's not put the cart before the horse. Don't jump in too fast. What, what, what are you saying? I'm saying, don't, don't, don't say you're called to preach, young men, if you're not. 
When I told my parents that I felt the call of God to preach, they scared the daylights out of them. I realize every, everybody's reaction is different. But it scared them. It scared them because the particular community in which I grew up, it was very commonplace for people to, to somewhat ignorantly even call other people. Oh, you're called to preach. You could have a fiery testimony and you were called to preach. My, my mother, years before that, uh, perhaps even before I was born, uh, her and dad were attending a church and had, had just got the Holy Ghost. And on a particular service, we were just reminiscing about this a couple of months ago. She stood up during service. They had a testimony service. And she gave a Holy Ghost fiery testimony. And it just, man, people were shouting and people were praising God and everything was going great. And after that, the pastor come up to her after church and said, You're called to preach. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That, that doesn't call you to preach. Uh, giving, a, giving a good, decent explanation to something doesn't make you a Sunday school teacher. You got to first be a leader in the pew, and if you can't follow from the pew, you'll never lead out of the pew. Because you'll never be a genuine, true, godly leader until you know how to be a godly follower. And you can't judge your ability to follow somebody till you disagree with them. Amen. That's the gauge of disagreement. Well, I don't think that was right. Well, maybe it's not your call. Well, that's not in my notes. Well, hallelujah. It's the deepest part of the pool that people can go with some level of comfort. Don't jump in. Especially if you're in ankle-deep waters and that's where you need to be. Stay there until you're ready for the next progression. Grow the way that you should grow. You know, we're always telling our kids not to grow up too fast. Well, in spiritual application, we need to stop pushing people to grow up too fast. I'm not saying they shouldn't change. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the statement that, well, God hasn't dealt with me that, with that yet. Because He's already dealt with all of us by His Word. And if you'll read the Word and get in the Word, then His dealing is with you. But in ankle-deep waters, you get a taste of the water. You still, pretty well, you're standing on your own. This is where you like what you feel, without the commitment to go deeper. And that's where this group of people needs to be. In knee-deep waters, you enjoy a deeper experience in worship. You've experienced the blessings of God. Now you, you, you publicly express yourself as a Christian. Even if you're not in full alignment with the Word of God yet, you know that's where you're headed. This is where you like what you feel and you've started publicly claiming it. You've made a commitment to live for God and you've started depending on Him more and more every day. You know you're ready to be out of ankle-deep waters, but you don't think you're ready for waist-deep just yet. You're, you're right where you need to be. But in waist-deep waters, you're ready for the next level. You may be ready to teach a Sunday school class, sing in the choir, ready to be an example in worship. The reason why, there are two reasons I believe why some people don't survive waist-deep waters is because, number one, they don't understand the purpose of it. And number two, they never fully prepared themselves in earlier stages. 
You should never get to waste deep waters and not be able to quote Scripture to somebody on why you repent and why you get the Holy Ghost. If you consider yourself to be a mature Christian, enough in your walk with God to be in waste deep waters, yet you can't teach a basic Bible study on salvation, then something was missed in your earlier stages. I'm not trying to be critical tonight, but we've often excused ourselves by saying, well, that's not for me. And I understand that certain people are meant to teach and certain people aren't, but whenever you witness, you have to be prepared to answer some questions. You can't tell somebody, well, come, come to church and talk to my pastor and expect them to, have, to, to like what you're presenting to them. If, if the apostolic church lacks in anything, I believe it's the knowledge of the Word of God. And here's why I believe that. Because we like what we feel so much that all we want to do is feel it. In all the other denominal worlds, teach and preach. And they sit and they listen. And when we sit and we listen, it's difficult for us because our maturity is lacking because, oh, I don't feel anything tonight. Man, pastor is boring tonight. Yeah, Brother Mason rocked me to sleep. Yeah, I didn't feel the Holy Ghost. It's a maturity problem. We should know how to sit down and be quiet and pay attention. I'm not saying we shouldn't worship. But there is an application where we need to hear the Word of God. And hearing doesn't occur properly when my lips are open. I need to learn. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost. I need to hear. And you know what? When I found, Wednesday nights are, are, are fun. I love Wednesday nights from a spiritual application. I hate Wednesday nights from a physical application. But spiritually speaking, I love Wednesday night. Because the teaching of the Word of God pastor has been given us is so rich. And I know this past Wednesday he was, he, he shot out like a bottle rocket and, and didn't stop till he stopped. And that's alright. But every Wednesday is not like that. But let me tell you what every Wednesday is. It's consistently good. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it is the Word of God. And it is our ability to be able to sit through a Bible study on a midweek service and hear with our ears what God would say to us and allow our pastor to teach us the rights and wrongs of Christian living. That's what makes our shout worth it it's not the other way around when we get it the other way around when we've nose dived into the deep end of the pool and we should just be getting our ankles wet 
How many people could we recite tonight that are backslid? That started out just... Never got a foundation. Couldn't sit still in church to listen to the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I don't care how often you speak in tongues. If you can't get the Word of God in your life, you're not going to escape sin. You've got to hide it in your heart. And you've got to hide it every day. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll admit to you tonight that you may go a few days, you may go a few weeks, you may even go a few months that the only word of God you get is when you're in the house of God. But somewhere, someday, that tank is going to run empty. And if you don't develop a discipline in your life of getting the word of God in your heart every day, then it's not going to be hidden in your heart. Sin is going to lie at the door and mistakes that could be avoided are made. There is a lot of mistakes we could avoid that we don't because we don't have the Word of God in our heart. It's quite possible that the reason some of us don't even witness is because we know that conversation is going to obligate us to quote the Bible and we're not ready for it. And we're not ready to expose ourselves that we're not ready for it because we know we should be. So if you say you believe something, be ready to demonstrate it. Now if you're in ankle deep waters and you're still learning, you've got every right. Man, if you're excited about church and you're telling somebody, hey, we're having revival, won't you come to church with me? Well, what do you believe? You know what? I just started going this past year. I'm still learning. Come on now. We need to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves expecting newborn babes to be quoting books when we've got senior saints that can't quote books. Now, if you're in knee-deep water or above, you need to be at least being able to tell somebody that, well, I believe you've got to repent. I believe you've got to be baptized. Why are you baptized? Jesus' name. Tell them some basics. Take them to the book of Acts. Or our witnessing is going to be in vain. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give what? An answer to every man that asketh of you. Not your pastor. He's ready. Asketh of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why do you believe in God? Why do, you, why do you go to church? Be ready always to give an answer to every man. And that answer can't just be simply, well, I do. Why do you go to church? Because my mom and dad took me. We get creative when we need to be creative. What I'm preaching tonight is we need to prepare ourselves. If we expect to see people saved, we need to prepare ourselves. But I believe God is going to save a people, whether you're ready or not. Let, let me say this delicately tonight. If you are in knee-deep waters, and you should be at waist-deep, I don't think God's going to hold revival just because of you. 
Some, somebody's going to be saved. The Word of God's going to be preached. And at some point, somebody that was in ankle-deep waters behind you is going to pass you. And you're still standing there in knee-deep waters, feeling the pressure. But I'm still standing. We must ask ourselves the question tonight, are we? I want to provoke you to thinking this evening. Because God never intended you to live forever in ankle-deep water. As you progress to knee-deep water, God never intended for you to live forever in knee-deep waters. These are stages. These are stages of development, stages of life, stages of growth that you go through. And each of these stages, here, here's, here's something that's very important this evening. Each of these stages should be constantly represented in the church. But by different people. People constantly moving from one development to the other. Constantly growing. Constantly moving on. The only, the, you only stay in a stage long enough to prepare you for the next stage. You, you notice the man's going out 1,500 feet. Every time. He just keeps going. It was intended for us to keep moving. The only way you get to the next depth in God is if you keep going forward. But if you stand still or go backwards, you're going nowhere. So he measured off another 1,500 feet. The Bible said he had waters to swim in. Waters to swim in take you to new levels in your relationship with God. Now it's about complete trust. Now it's not about fear, it's about faith. There's, there's, there's no way to walk. You can't even fake it anymore. Because you, you can fake it in ankle deep. You can fake it in knee deep. And, and some even fake it in waist deep. They dog paddle. You, you can't fake it in waters to swim in. If you aren't real, you don't survive. A little illustration tonight. In relation to our stages, Ezekiel discussed do this without making a mess. You can take a sponge and right now the sponge is dry. It's so dry there's no moisture to it whatsoever. Now you, you got to understand at least with me tonight without me having to, to pull out a whole bunch of scripture and back it up that water is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. So the Spirit of God is often represented in the Bible through means of water. This is you before God. No Holy Ghost. Dry. You can set this out in the sun tomorrow, and uh, by the end of the day, it'd be pretty, pretty stiff. This is brand new out of the package, so it's, it's moist because of the packaging, but it's never been wet. But you can take it, and you can introduce it to some water, you can get it, get it a little wet down there on the bottom layer. I don't know if you can see that color difference or not. But 
That, that's ankle-deep water. It's safe. It's wet. It's got the Holy Ghost now. Feels good. It's been exposed to the presence of God. But it's not, it's not saturated. There, there, there's, still, there's still more capacity here to hold. See, that's what happens in your walk with God. You don't, you don't start out at full capacity. You start out slow, and then you just, you just get more and more of God to the point that, Sister Angie, there's, there's times we feel like we can't take any more, but God's got more for us. Now, the more you learn, the more obligated you are. We'll be judged by what we know. When you get to heaven, you'll be judged by what you know and what you've heard. Not what you've done. Some of what you've done, but whether you've obeyed or not is a completely different category. You can't get to God and say, God, you can't hold me accountable for something that I didn't do if you knew to do it. And we know that by hearing the Word of God. So, that's ankle deep. Now, we can press that in. I need some more water. We're going out 1,500 more feet, and the water's just got deeper. And now I'm at knee deep. Well, it's soaking it up good now. Knee deep waters. Now, I could actually clean something with that. I could do something with this. He goes out another 1,500. Waters get deeper. Now he's at the waist. When you're at the waist deep waters, you're wet. If you move around much at all, your, your whole body's going to be wet, even though only part of it's soaked. Let me stop right there and explain something this evening. Because I made a statement earlier that you cannot judge your submission to the Word of God or the man of God when you, di- and when you agree, but based on when you disagree. So let me explain something further here. Because in our human element, especially in this generation, if we disagree with something, we often want to advocate what we agree with. Especially in America, because we live in a very political society. We live in a democratic society where we believe every man should have a voice. That's not God's world. I'm not anti-American, but I am pro-God. God's world is, is that he has a right and a wrong. There is no middle ground where we debate and we decide. When the children of Israel did that, they got themselves in trouble. So what we need to understand tonight is when you're in ankle-deep waters, it's very easy to get sidetracked. Because you don't have enough water, spirit. You don't have enough of God yet in your capacity to lead you. You feel good about it, and you're attending church, and that's what you should be doing. But the reason why we continue to move forward and grow is because I need to be saturated with God. I need to be so moist with God and have a water level in my life that's deep enough that whenever the man of God tells me something I don't want to hear, that I'm moist enough that I can say, okay. You understand me? If, I, if I'm dry and brittle, then it's, it's rough edges, and I'm, I'm going to, ugh, I don't want to hear that. But if I'm moist and, and I, I'm wet in the, in the Spirit of God, then I'm going to be soft enough, the clay's going to be soft enough that the potter can mold. But if I've dried up, then every time the potter tries to do something, I'm going to crack. 
And those cracks are going to bruise and they're going to wound and they're going to hurt. That's not the potter's fault. Because we're the ones that have the responsibility to wade out into the water. It's left up to us. So then he goes out. That's all she wrote, so I'm going to have to make it work. He goes from waist-deep waters to waters to swim in. I believe it was one place in New Testament Scripture where Jesus came to his disciples to wash their feet. And Peter said, not me. And Jesus said, Peter, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. And he said, oh Lord, not my feet only, but also my head. Cover me. Cover me. Get me in waters to swim in, because if that's what separates me from you, I don't want to be separate. Take all of me, Lord. You can't surrender to God completely and stand in ankle deep water forever. If you're going to surrender to God and say, God, everything I am, everything I hope to be, everything I want to be, I want it to be your will, then you've got to move from one spot to the other. But there's, there's something that's called the point of saturation. The point of saturation states that when something is so saturated by another substance that it won't hold any more of it. And it's going to be a little bit difficult to illustrate this evening. But if you can just imagine if every air particle in this sponge was completely consumed by water to the point to where this sponge would not hold any more water whatsoever, exactly what I'm showing you right now would occur. That water didn't stay in the sponge because there's no room for it. All right? The sponge is saturated by water to the point that it's displacing any extras. We need to get to a place in God to where that we have a point of saturation that not only are my feet wet, not only are my knees wet, not only is my waistline wet, not only am I swimming in water, but I need to be so consumed with the Spirit of God that it is just displacing it off of my life on somebody else. We need an overflow of the Spirit of God in our lives to reach the lost. I need a point of saturation so that I understand an overflow. It's not about receiving anymore. Now it's about giving. And you can't give until you're filled up. Yay! We, we, we err in trying to give when we're just in waist deep. Because you're trying to give away something you're not even full of yourself yet. You have nothing to spare for someone else until you're filled up. To see our altars fill up, all the Christians in the church need to have a point of saturation. We need to be prayed up and stayed up and fasted up and read up and worshipped up. Ready to praise, ready to serve. Luke 6 and 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Running over, that's overflow. Running over, that's not just about financial blessing. 
That's not just about healing for your body. That should be about our lifestyle and our living for God. That whenever we're walking around this earth, that our, our presence, Brother Daniel, our, the Holy Ghost is emanating from us and overflowing onto other people. It was Peter in the book of Acts chapter 5. But they brought the sick into the streets and laid them in beds and couches. And the Bible says that the shadow of Peter passing by would overshadow some of them and they were healed. That's overflow. That's point of saturation. He was walking in the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit. And the Bible tells us that if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh thereof. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The reason why some of us take one step forward and 15 backwards is because we're not walking in the Spirit. We got our feet wet and our knees wet and we thought that was good enough and now I'm ready. And then we get confused and frustrated because nothing's working. We need a point of saturation in our life. We need to strive. You may not be there and maybe you shouldn't be there yet, but that's your point of saturation. That's your, that's your focal point. Out there, I'm going to keep walking. And I'm going to keep growing. Because someday, I'm going to get to the point where that I'm so full of God that others are going to notice. The best witness you can ever be is not even having to tell somebody. Just live it. Let them see the change. Let them say, hey, you, you're different than you used to be. But you've got to be ready for it. Remove the excuses from your vocabulary. Amen. Remove the excuses of why you don't do certain things. We get too hung up on what we think is everybody else's job. A pastor should do that. Maybe he should. What's wrong with you doing it? I know he taught Bible studies before he was ever a pastor. I didn't come with intentions of just promoting Bible studies tonight, but I think we've got, to, we've got to know the Word of God. And if you're not where you need to be to know the Word of God, then you need to recognize that and then walk toward it. This is not a criticism message where that I'm telling you that you're, you should feel condemned tonight for not being there. You just need to recognize it and then do something about it. The Word of God is so important. You will be lost without it. The song's not going to last long. We have a good shout and service. I, I, we could poll tonight and, and, and ask some, some of you what you think. But we have a good shout and service on Sunday night. I can tell you for me personally, it's pretty well over by Monday morning. Maybe Monday at lunch. <laughs> if it lasts that long. It felt good, it was great, but it was short-lived. I can't live off the shout. We need to worship. We need to shout. Whether it's in song or word, we need to have a connection to God where that we can connect with what's being said and respond to that. Because when you respond, it's not altogether the response for the for whoever's talking. It's a response between you and God. That's you saying, I accept that. That's you, I receive that. 
I needed that. And that connection is what sustains you the next day. That's your lifeline. We need a point of saturation. Stand with me tonight. I've always been convinced that God is a gentleman. So much so that He's not going to make you do something that you're not willing to do. Now, He may prophesy to you. He may call you out. He may, he may read your mail. He may say, thus saith the Lord, this is what you're going to do. But in the end, you still have the power of choice. You're not a puppet on a string. If God were to, to move into prophecy tonight and call someone out and, and declare that they're going to evangelize or be a missionary, they may or they may not ever do it. That doesn't take away from God's Word. But the humanity still has a choice. We're the only part of God's creation that has that choice, but we can still say no. You live a life of misery. <laughs> In constant sorrow and regret. And maybe not even having recognized it till a day where that it's naturally too late. It's important tonight that in our Christian walk that we develop some disciplines in our life that matter when we're not at church. I heard something Saturday morning that really, really moved on me. Uh, the message we heard at Fall Conference Saturday morning in the men's session, um, I wouldn't say is better than the one we heard Friday night, but it was very complimentary to it and just built upon what we heard Friday night. And he made a statement to the men, and he said, Praying is more important than preaching. And I had never, ever in my life either heard that statement or connected to it. But it connected with me Saturday morning, and I, I, I finally, after a long time of being in church and preaching and teaching and leading, understood that we've got to do more than just pray to perform. We've got to first pray to live. God will anoint everything else. But we've got to first pray to live. Our lifestyle has got to be what, who we are right now. Who you are when you're in the house of God, worshiping God is who God, that's the lifestyle He wants you to live when you're outside of the church. Oftentimes it isn't. There's, there's often a divide there. I want to be saturated. I close with this statement tonight. The problem with the sponge, and oftentimes the problem with us, is I could take that sponge right now and put it back to the, the, the place where it was, where it was just overflowing, and with one squeeze, take it back to step number one. Often it's not the fact that we didn't try. We didn't stay.
Progressive changes are uncomfortable in the flesh. God never said getting out of ankle deep waters to knee deep was going to be comfortable. I've watched my parents over the years who cannot swim. Scared to death of water, but they have a swimming pool. They did that for us kids. I didn't know how to swim until I was 18 years old. I never took any formal lessons. But the manner in which I learned how to swim, Brother Freddie, it wasn't by jumping in. I was too scared for that. I learned when we were filling it up, and it was ankle deep. I was crawling around on the, the liner, smoothing out the liner. It was 55 degrees. It was. It was the middle of summer, but the water was 55 degrees. I, you wouldn't catch me dead doing that now. My son could do it. I'm not going to. 55 degrees, and it just kept getting deeper. And it kept getting deeper. To finally, it got up to about right here. I still couldn't swim. I was a whole lot more comfortable in water up to here since I was in it since it was down to there than I was if I just jumped in. I got comfortable with where I was and then moved to the next step. I think that's all God's asking of us. Get where you need to be. I'm going to let you stay there for a little while. But then I'm going to have you move on. I want to be found in the will of God. Why don't you lift your hands now? I'm going to turn this back to Pastor tonight. Lift your hands and just talk to the Lord tonight. Love Him. Shower some praise on the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.